It's great to have you guys here today. It's great to be in the house of the Lord to worship together, right, through the songs and through giving and through prayer, right, and just to gather together to be a part of his worship service. Today we're going to be looking at Revelations chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. So as you guys get there, let's just have a little chat about what's going on. The last few weeks we've been talking about perspective and changing our perspective of what's going on in our lives. Right, that perspective idea, just a little twist on what we're thinking about situations to make a, a big change in our situation. Right, as we look at what God wants from us. Uh, so as we're looking into Revelations, it's the ending of the book. Chapter 21 is the next to the last book in the Bible. The world has just gone through a big change. Satan is no longer running, rolling and going. He's been defeated. He's been chained up. He's been put in prison. And that's where we're at as John's writing this piece. As we get a little glimpse into what the future is going to be for our lives. And so let's, read, let's go ahead and read this passage real quick. And then we'll dig in deeper. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea no longer existed. I also saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity. He will live with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Write the... Write Right, because these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the end. I will give water as a gift to the thirsty from the spring of life. The victor will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Powerful thoughts right there, right? But let's dig a little deeper in this. And, and so as I spent this last few weeks kind of looking at this passage and how to share God's wisdom with you from it, God kind of brought me back to the beginning. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, when he created the heavens and the earth, he made a great world. A world without sin. A world without pain. A world without sadness. A world without hurt. A world without pride. A world without shame. Misery. All these bad things we think of. We think of all the bad things in the world. The, the earthquake in Turkey. God created a world without that. Without that plan. He created a world without weeds. If you're out working in the garden, no thorns, no stickers to walk through in the bare grass, right? We've all, we've all, been doing, we've all walked out in the grass and caught, stepped on a thorn, right? It doesn't feel good, but God created a world where those weren't a problem. And he created a world for Adam and Eve to walk in the garden, 
with him. So just, just kind of imagine for a second, you're in this perfect world, and at night when the evening's coming, God comes down and he walks with you. In whatever form he took, I, we don't know, it doesn't say what form it looked like, right? It just says he walked with them. And he made this world that all they had to do was follow one simple rule. One. Right? Now in the army, do we have more than one rule to follow? Just when we get dressed, there's more than one rule we have to follow on how to put our uniform on. Right? But God said, I'm only going to give you one rule. And, that's it. and we see that rule as God told Adam in Genesis 2, 16-17. God told Adam, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat of the tree of, good, of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat of it, you will certainly die. One rule. Don't eat from that tree. Eat from any other tree. Any other food is good. But don't eat from that one. Remember the world they're living in. Perfect world. Everything's taken care of. No pain, no hurt, no shame, no sadness, no darkness, no, nothing bad. But they had a choice to make. They had a choice to obey that one rule or to do what they wanted to do. <coughs> and we all know the choice they made. They chose their pride, their ego. They wanted to be in the same level as God because they were deceived by the serpent. And we see that in Genesis 3, 1 through 7. It says, now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the, from the fruit from the trees in the garden. But about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom, she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. When the eyes of both of them were opened, they knew they were naked. So they sewed big leaves together and made one cloth for themselves. One choice. One rule, and they chose to break it so that they could have what they thought was better for themselves. They gave up a love with God for a love of wisdom that they thought they were going to gain. And with it, they lost everything. Right? See, the idea that they didn't even know they were naked and all of a sudden they knew. There was something about that. There was a shame now because they were weren't wearing clothes, right? There was no shame before that. There was nothing wrong with it. But all of a sudden there was shame. There was a, a thought of how do I look? 
And then we go into that next path, the next passage, and, and how it must have been heartbreaking when, when they heard the footsteps coming in the in the garden. Here comes God. Adam, Eve, where are you? And they had the uh, we're hiding because we're naked. No, they, they were hiding from the God that created them, the man who came for evening walks with them, that they had great time with. They were hiding from God. So they had a new shame in their life, a new sin in their life, that they knew they couldn't be with God anymore. Even without him telling them, they knew there was something they had to hide from him. There was evil in their hearts now. And with it came punishment. The fields became hard to work. Right? They had that. There was weeds that were growing. Thorns that came up. For you women, childbirth pains were there now. It wasn't going to be as easy. Right? There's all kinds of other things that happened because of that one choice that Adam and Eve made. And the world, unfortunately, became a miserable place. Right? When we, we may think the world's a good place at times, but when we really look around, look at what's going on right now. Look at the wars going on in Europe with Ukraine. The mess in China. Slavery. Punishment. Earthquakes. Tornadoes, hurricanes. Those weren't part of what God created. It's not what God wanted for this world. But the biggest thing is God's heart was broken. See, with that one act, it separated him from his creation. From that point on, for man to reach out to God, there had to be sacrifice. There had to be death. Uh, if you read through Leviticus and the first five books, it's, it's constantly talking about what the penalty is, what the sacrifice has to be made to fix a certain situation. Right? Animals had to die so that man could talk to God. It required a high priest to be an intermediate between man and God. Not everyone could just go to him. Now, that's unfortunate the world that we live in. You know, God had, a, God had plans to fix it. Right? Throughout the Old Testament, God was constantly trying to build a relationship with his people of Israel. Right? It, 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 I mean, we have the Old Old Testament talking about how God was trying to reach down to them to have a relationship with his people again. He wanted to build that relationship. But even with the sacrifice, he still reached out to them. He wanted to be their leader. He wanted to give them everything they needed. And again, they rejected him. And he said, I want to be your king. I want to love you. I want to take care of you as my people. And they said, but God, we want a king here on earth that we can see. We want to be like the other nations around us. Give us that person. Because that's what the world has. Give us that. So they rejected the relationship that he wanted to give them. 
so they could be like every other nation here on earth. So when we dig into the, get into the New Testament, God sends the Messiah, Jesus, here on earth to bring salvation. Came to repair the, the mess that Adam and Eve created. That, and we just continue to destroy, right? We're not better than Adam and Eve. We're still doing the same things. We're still breaking the same rules. And we're putting ourselves above God. But ultimately, Jesus, too, was rejected by man. Jesus came to be a sacrifice for us. He came to become that intermediate that we needed, right? Old Testament, we need a high priest that was a man. When Jesus died and rose again, he became our intermediate between us and heaven. So when Jesus died, the curtain in the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. So if you go back into the Old Testament, Aaron and the other high priests had to go through a certain curtain in order to get to God. And it was a big, huge, thick curtain. And God tore that from top to bottom, signifying that we no longer have to go through that curtain to be with God because God came to dwell in us. And then he sent the Holy Spirit, the promised helper, to help us along the way. And so I'm trying to describe the Holy Spirit. That's not the easiest thing to describe. So I'm going to cheat a little bit. And so I'm Southern Baptist, and so we have a Baptist faith and message. They put a description of what they put the Holy Spirit is in. So I'm just going to read you that. So I'm going to steal from them and read that to you rather than trying to give you fancy words from myself. They said the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, fully divine. He inspired holy men of old to write the scriptures. Through illumination, he enables men to understand truth. He exalts Christ. He convicts men of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He calls men to the Savior and affects regeneration. At the moment of regeneration, he baptizes every believer in the body of Christ. He cultivates a Christian character, comforts believers, and bestows the spiritual gifts by which they serve God through his church. He seals the believer unto the day of final redemption. His presence in the, in the Christian and the Christian is guaranteed that God will bring the believer into the fullness of the stature of Christ. He enlightens and empowers the believer in the church and worship, evangelism, and service. So in my short and violent version of that, the Holy Spirit leads us, convicts us, and brings us to repentance. Okay? He helps us get there. He helps us to be a part of what God wants. And so we have to listen to him. And so in the current here, today, and now, that's what we have. Jesus came, he died, he rose again so that we can have salvation. While we still can't be in the presence of God physically, Jesus is the high priest that allows us to communicate with the whole, along with the Holy Spirit through Jesus to God to have conversation so we can have relationship with God. So God wants that relationship with us. He wants to talk with us individually. He wants to spend time with us in the garden, per se, right? And so I was, was, was going to bring up the song in the garden that, that's an old hymn. Uh, you don't want to hear me sing it, so you guys can look it up later. Right? My kids definitely don't want to hear me sing it. They, they know what will be coming. Right? But God wants to have relationship with us here on earth. Even in the, the horriblest, the misery that we have here on earth, God wants relationship with us. 
Right? Now, he doesn't want to just have a once-a-week relationship with us when we come to church. All right? So I heard a, a pastor one time talking about that. He said, so just imagine you, you had this, this person that you just loved, you were infatuated with, you watched them from a distance, but you were too afraid to go talk to them. And so you talked to your buddy into going and having a conversation with that person every day and then reporting back what they said to you. Right? Even though you're infatuated, you want to know that person, but you're trusting someone else to go have conversations and go talk to that person every day and then come back once a week and tell you about that person for an hour. Who has the relationship with that person? Your buddy, right? Are you, do you have a good relationship with them? No. Uh, and that's how we treat God sometimes. We, we go through, the, through our week and we just live our life and we never really think about God. We never think about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We just do our thing. And then we walk into a church on Sunday morning and we listen to a pastor talk about his walk with God for the last week. And then we expect our, that to help our relationship with God. When, it's, when you just listen to what, how their relationship was. Right, it's like getting a 30-minute sitcom about that guy's walk, that guy's thoughts, that guy's time with God but you're not really getting that yourself. Okay? And so it's hard to have a relationship with somebody if you're not having a relationship with that person. Right? If you're not communicating, if you're not looking at who they are. But thankfully, this isn't where God has a plan to end. And that's where our passage in Revelations is at. Let me reread that to you. Okay, we're going to reread Revelations 21, 1 through 7. With all the other thought in mind of what, where we're at now. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first, earth, the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea no longer existed. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity. He will live with them. He won't be a part anymore. He's going to live with his people physically because there won't be sin, right? He will live with humanity. We're humanity, if you didn't know. And God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated at the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Right, because these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give water as a gift to the thirsty from the spring of life. The victor will inherit these things. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. See, God's already won the battle over sin. Jesus defeated sin when he died and rose again. We're just waiting for God's next step to take place. Satan's already been going to be punished. A new world's going to be created with everything bad gone. 
And I love it. It says God's going to dwell with us. He's going to wipe away the tears. Right? He's going to wipe them away. He's going to... That's right. Death will no longer exist. How great is that? Right? Death will no longer exist. Grief and crying and pain will be gone. See, the story the Bible tells us is that in the beginning, God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. In the end, he wants to dwell with us in a new garden. He wants to be with us. He wants to walk with you daily, even here on earth, but all the way into eternity. See, for God, our relationship isn't just about keeping us from eternal punishment. Right. I know there's a lot of people that think that, like, okay, I just want to get saved so I don't have to go to hell. All right? That's not what God is saying. He's not saying, I don't want to just not send you to hell. I want to live with you and spend time with you in heaven, have a relationship with you day by day, moment by moment, second by second. It's not enough to just save somebody from a bad situation. He wants to be a part of their life. Right? There's a difference if, if you've got medics here, right? There's a difference if you save someone's life for a moment then leave them and let them go on and do their thing than if you save their life and then marry them and live with them forever. Right? There's a big difference between those two things. God doesn't want to save us. He wants to be with us. He wants to dwell with us and be a part of us for eternity. For eternity. That's what God wants from us. He wants us to walk with him. He wants to listen with him. He wants us to read his word and spend time with him because he loves us. Because he loves us. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the love and the mercy you've given us. Father, we thank you that you love us so much, Father, that that you want to be a part of our lives. You want to spend eternity with us. You want to just hold us close each moment, each second of the day. Not just to be a piece of it, Father, but to be a whole thing in our lives that we can honor you and obey you. That we can spend time with you when things are going good and when things are going bad. That you can give us hope when those times are tough, Father. When when we're here on earth and there is sadness, there is death, and there is pain, there is hurt, Father, that you can wipe away those tears and give us strength to walk through those next moments. Not because we call you to come to us, Father, but because you're already there. You're already with us as we're going through those moments. And we praise you for that. 